Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. This is our first show ever recorded remotely and our first show ever recorded not in front of an audience. We hope you enjoy it. We did it over Zoom and we will be alternating these kinds of shows. They're recorded from the quarantine bunker with shows that we recorded in January and February this year while we were on tour. So we hope to give you some Guilty Feminist Nights Out and some Guilty Feminist Nights In. If you're one of the people that's supporting us on Patreon because we no longer have ticket sales, then we appreciate you so much. I've just had news that 997 of you have signed up for Patreon. Thank you so, so much. If you'd like to be one of the three people that get us to a thousand, we'd appreciate it so much. And we understand at this time, not everyone has the money to do that. But if you can, we'd appreciate it so much. And otherwise, if you could amplify us, uh, post about us, link to us, link to a favourite episode of yours, that would help us so much as well. And now on with the podcast. I'm a feminist, but I have discovered different places for Zoom calls in my flat where the lighting is optimal at different times of day. So at 4pm, I sit in the downstairs bedroom on the floor by the bay window and I look like a fucking movie star. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a feminist, but... The only thing that I'm watching that's keeping my attention right now in the end times is like really problematic erotic thrillers from the 90s. So like (laughs) Michael Douglas, Basic Instinct, things like that, that when they don't hold up, but man, are they good. Fatal Attraction. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. Um, Along Came a Spider, Kiss the Girls. Wow. Can I recommend The Hand That Rocks the Cradle? Love it. Love it. I'm way ahead of you, Deb. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying it's a feminist piece. I'm saying it's the global epidemic and it could be the end of the world. So yeah. fuck it. 90s, <laughs> 90s thrillers with fuck questionable it. messages about strong women. Let's yeah. have them. All the women like are like nymphomaniac murderers. They I are. Love, I love it. Hot. <laughs> yeah. It's hot. It's a fantasy. And also, it's where we're all headed, to be honest. If we're in quarantine for four months, which of us will not be a nymphomaniac murderess? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's the only place to go. Yeah. I'm a feminist. But if I ever in my life suspect we will be quarantined again, I will immediately move into my flat on free rent, someone who can blow dry hair and teach yoga. <laughs> and ideally... Ideally, candidates who are applying, they'll be paid for all their services. They'll have full free rent. I will make them breakfast, whatever they want. It'll be a full length of lockdown deal for them. I will be looking for candidates who ideally also can do an excellent liquid eyeliner and eyelashes. I'll do it. That's ideal for the Zoom. Will you say you'll do it, May? Are you <laughs> yeah. skilled in that? No, I'll give it a go, though. If it's free, oh. free rent. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'd love to live with you. Services. Well, you better start upskilling. Okay, I'm going to practice the eyeliner. I think I could blow dry pretty pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, listen. I mean, no, you're going to end up looking like Justin Bieber, but... 
Uh, listen, I would take anything at the moment. My skin is so dry. Oh, that's right. You you can massage. You went to school. To I'm a registered it. shiatsu masseuse. Thank you so much for putting that out there. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a registered. I've never done it. I hate it. I did two what? years full time, Monday to Friday. It cost six thousand dollars. I've never done it since. Well, listen. If for whatever reason your flat situation doesn't work out, Steve's gone to live in the country with friends. Okay. So there is a possible opening there. This is good to know. If my roommate becomes a nymphomaniac murderer, I can relocate. <laughs> I'm going to need to be guaranteed you're not a nymphomaniac murderer at the uh, point you want to move in. Can't promise anything. If you want to join my household. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but my mum has just got into stock trading. And I feel bad that I don't have, that I really don't trust her with the family's money. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, wow. I wanna, like, I want to be supportive because it's a new passion of hers. But I'm like, why now? And also, have you read about it? Like, she's really freestyling. Does she just gamble your inheritance away daily? Yes, yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? She might make some serious dosh there. Do you think? Buy low, sell high? I don't know. Why are you asking me? I'm days away from being a nymphomaniac murderess. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I am secretly incredibly jealous and a little bit annoyed by the amount of lovely feminists who I see every day on Instagram Live who are somehow coping with this so well and somehow don't seem to have jobs anymore. I'm trying to get my whole life online and I'm melting down every other day. And somehow they have time to bake fresh banana bread, learn the ukulele, and make origami animals. Yeah. I want that for myself. Oh, they're all reading the entire works of Maya Angelou. I would love that. When will this day come for me? I feel so stressed, so busy, so emotionally up and down. If I tried to make banana bread, it would be made from my tears. Yeah, it'd be salty. <laughs> and I would definitely burn it and destroy it and throw it on the ground and say, what's the point of anything anyway? <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I've been watching... Well, not that this isn't feminist, though. But I've just been watching shitloads of porn. Really, so much. And then also, I went on Chat Roulette. Have you been on that? Chat Roulette. It's just random people in the world, and it's mostly wow. just guys wanking. But it's just a close-up of... I went on it, just to watch some guys Has wank. anybody said, oh my god, you're Mae Martin from Feel Good? Well, no, I don't put my face in it. Oh! <laughs> so what do you put? It's <laughs> just... Between my legs. No, I'm joking. I just, uh, turn, I just turned, just turned my camera off. No. What? I just turned my camera off. So I'm just a black screen, and they know oh. someone's watching, and they like it. Look, I did it like once. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I'm just no, I'm not judging. I'm just understanding. I couldn't work out what you're doing. So the roulette for them is they don't know who's watching, and the roulette for you is you don't know what you're watching. Yeah, and sometimes you get like-minded people. So it's just some weird lonely girl being trying to find some dicks, and you match up, and. Uh, and then like-minded people. Wow, yeah. How do you know though? So if it's a weird lonely girl wishing to see an erect penis, do mm. you then turn your camera on and go, "Hey, I mean, I'm not like an, I'm not doing this all the time, but yeah, that that maybe I'll meet my spouse that way. Like we'll we'll both be looking for the same thing. Beautiful story for your grandchildren. Yeah, <laughs> who you will only be able to talk to on a screen in the apocalypse anyway. Yeah, exactly. You'll never meet your grandchildren. Mm -mm. I mean. I'll be sequestered <laughs> at birth. <laughs> this is a sad story. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's gallows humor, everybody. Breathe. Breathe in and out. <laughs> Breathe with the guilty feminist. Breathe through the quarantine. From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens across London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Mae Martin, and very special guest Charlotte Ritchie talking about feeling good. Yay! This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Mae Martin, and we're talking about feeling good. So, Mae Martin, this is the first show we've ever done of The Guilty Feminist, not in front of a live audience. How does it feel? It feels very strange because I'm looking at you on what would I would think of traditionally as a Skype call. It's in fact Zoom. Yeah. And I can see, uh, I, I'm just going to tell the audience who I can see. I can see Tom Selinski, the producer, both at the end of my table because we're quarantined together, but also in one of these little 
windows on screen. I can see Grace Petrie and Ben Moss, who are going to do a song later and are acting really in the interim as Ursat's audience. Thank you. We're so grateful. Do chip in at any point, though. I'm looking at Mae Martin, my guest co-host. Hello. And I'm looking at Charlotte Ritchie, our guest. Hello. Who's going to join us in inverted commas later. Hello, Charlotte. Hi. Hey. So, yeah, this is our first bunker app. I like it. Uh, I'm in my we're all quarantined. I'm in my bed, so I love it. Uh, I just did a, a Instagram live from my bed. It's great, isn't it? It is pretty great, actually. And I do think one of the things we're going to take forward into the new world when we're allowed out that will happen. And I believe in the end of this, I need to keep talking about the other side. Yeah, much like religious people believe in the afterlife. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do think one of the things that we might take with us is our pace of life was so manic yeah. and frenetic. And I think half of the meetings I had, I want to be in rooms with people. And the other half, we're now going to say, can this be a Zoom call? Can I just stay in my bed? I think that will happen. Yeah, I think you're right. One thing that's happened for me is become really close with my roommate. Very, very um, <laughs> dependent now. We're, now we're in like a really codependent situation every day we discuss what we're gonna have for dinner um we have cocktail hour we play poker i taught her poker and then she's beat me uh three tournaments in a row and i gave her a hug yesterday first hug wow big moment yeah i think i've hugged her once when drunk but yeah this is the first sober like can i have a hug so you Mm. know the floodgates have opened now (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this whole episode is like being drunk or hormonal or on MDMA or all three. Oh, um, great. Is that how you're feeling? Well, it just, it's, I just feel up and down and sideways. I just feel like I never know how I'm going to feel. Yeah. I've been really taking control and like creating schedules for myself. I do personal training on Zoom every morning. I go for a walk every day, my government issued walk mm. that I'm allowed to have before they take it away, which they might. Yeah. I was just talking to someone in Spain. They've taken the walk away. That's all right. That's all right. If they take it away and it saves lives, that's all right. That's all right. I'll be fine. I'm good. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. It'll oh, be my God. It'll be fine. But. <laughs> I'm in pure escapism. Like, I just can't. I can't even. I just have to go moment to moment, I think. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm only thinking about getting through this week. That's all I'm thinking about. But do you know what? Some of it has centered me, grounded me, allowed things like really daily exercise things to happen at the same time and some of that's been very calming actually and I don't want to be talking about silver linings because I know people have died real people have died and it's hard for us to imagine that because we're all trapped in our houses and people are sick so I don't want to be going oh but look how much my yoga's improved like you know it's kind of not okay but we also are human beings we need to look at silver linings and we need to look at what we can control and so I feel like having a routine has really helped me, but I'm a very unroutined person. And now I've become almost manically routined to the extent where when my delivery lunch didn't turn up today because the delivery man went to the wrong place and my blood sugar crashed, I got very upset, Mm. really upset in a way that I would never normally get upset if my lunch seemed to be lost in London somewhere. Yeah, you've become rigid. Rigid, May. You developed a thick shell of rigidity. (laughs) I'm so rigid. I'm the most fluid, flexible person in the world. I bounce from thing to thing. You know, Grace and I just toured. When did I ever get up at the same time, Grace? When did I ever go to bed at the same time? When did I eat at the same time? Never. It was a lawless land. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, But now, oh my God, if my blood sugar dips or I have a conference call run over and then I can't do the next thing at the right time or I miss my walk or something like that, my emotional stability is not what it was. I'll Mm. say that. It's going to get better. It's getting better all the time. I'm coping extremely well for nearly all of the day. But when I don't cope, I don't cope as if I'm a toddler who's just lost all of their toys (laughs) and will never see those toys again. How is it for Tom living with that toddler? (laughs) Um, Tom is an even keeled man. I often say that I'm not sure whether Tom is a man or a black mirror app. And that is so lucky right now because he rarely glitches. Mm, Good. And he is a very steadying, calming influence on my life. And so he's been very supportive. I also have been very kind to him as well. We're being very kind to each other, very kind and patient with each other. That's good to hear. I'm glad. We have to. We have no one else. I can only legally storm out once a day. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like literally, if you have a fight, you're just stuck here. You're just like, okay, well, now we're not speaking. I've got into cheese strings. Like I, I haven't eaten them since I was a kid. And I just, I've been going to, uh, when I grocery shop, I'm making impulse purchases, little, little things to cheer myself up. A cheese string, you, can, you know, that could be a creative part of your day. How do you eat it? Yeah. How long does it take you? I've been cooking more. I mean, these are the, like you say, it's weird saying silver linings because it's like, you know. No, but we're human and we have to make lemonade out of this daily quantity of, it's just so many lemons are dropped in yeah. my flat every morning. It's like the whole house is filled with lemons. And I'm finding pe- like, pe- from, people I'm, have panic bought the sugar. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really difficult to make the quantity of lemonade that I need to get rid of the lemons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I really miss stand up and I miss um should we say the things we miss? No, come on. Yes. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, people, no, people want to hear. People want to hear because they also I think the problem is everyone's Instagramming live the moment when they've just made a margarita and put on a funny hat. Yeah. And so people aren't hearing about any of the sad stuff. And oh, they're thinking, Am I'm I sad. One? Am oh. I the one rocking and crying? No, no. Make no mistake about it. We're all rocking and crying. Like, I, yeah, I miss uh, stand-up. Usually the things that keep my brain normal are stand-up and the gym and, like, NA meetings and, you know, and all those things are gone. So I'm being really, I'm having to be really creative and structured. With, I miss so many things. I miss Charlotte Ritchie. I miss Hiya. lots of things. Hiya. Mm. <laughs> See you now. How do NA meetings happen and AA meetings happen? Are they happening on Zoom? I don't know, really. I haven't looked into it enough because it feels weird. So much of it is about being in the room and and, the, and to be honest, the anonymity and you just never know with Zoom meetings, like if people are going to, I don't know. It just feels. I know what you mean. That's a really important point, the anonymity. Yeah. Could you do it a little bit? Could you mix up? Could you do NA roulette? <laughs> <laughs> well, I could just ask the dicks that I'm watching, Jizz, if they have any advice. <laughs> you or you could talk them through what you're experiencing and feeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. This is a really good point though. I had not thought of AA. Well, I mean, this is the time where I, it would have been great if I had a sponsor, but I had not got around to doing that and I've never really done that and now I'm thinking, fuck, that would be really valuable. Can you call Sophie Thompson? Uh, yeah, your sponsor in the show? I I'm could, sure she'd be very helpful. I think she'd be similar to Maggie in that she'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could. I She'd could deliver you some tequila. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we should talk about your show. So you have an incredible show, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. And I'm really not saying that because I'm a friend of yours, May. You sent it to me because I had to interview you at the National Theatre like last year, and I got like a sneak preview that wasn't even graded or anything. And I was thought I'll just do what I normally do, which is I watch one or two episodes, so I, enough that I can discuss it with the person. And I was really late at night, so I was like, oh, I'll watch episode one and two. It'll be fine. I stayed up so late. I binged the whole thing from end to end, not because I was interviewing you, because I was completely compelled. And I was so grateful I had all six episodes because I thought I wouldn't be able to sleep otherwise. I was so taken with it. Thank with you so much. of it, the charm of it, the beauty of it, the uniqueness of it. And it was deeply funny and extremely moving it really made me realize how little we see women in same-sex relationships represented anywhere right yeah cool (laughs) and if we do it's it's kind of two femme women it feels like it's directed by a man to titillate straight cis men sometimes it doesn't feel the way that it felt. And I felt what I felt was this just this beautiful romantic comedy with all of these themes and I got all of this new understanding from it. Okay, I'm just gonna come out with it and be honest. It was one of the things that helped me open up my marriage and explore my bisexual side. Wow. Yeah, May's face is quite surprised because I haven't told her that. That's huge. Yeah. I'm so, so pleased. I mean um, I'm also I'm watching Tom's face too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, how exciting. Yeah, I hope that it makes people think about things. Um, Tom's put his hand over the camera so as not to intimidate people now. <laughs> I had imagined I, talking about this on this episode, but I'd imagined it maybe at King's Place with 500 people in the audience and... Big cheer you know, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, people are cheering at home, Deb. I'm sure, I know you have a lot of LGBT fans going to be pumped about that open marriage. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I will be on chat roulette later this evening. I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, that's, re- that's really nice. And, and um, the main thing that has been great in the response to it so far has been people just relating in general to the themes and addiction and intimacy. And I think hopefully those things transcend labels. And so it's accessible to lots of people. And then we're sort of sneakily sneakily broadening people's minds rather than overtly or in a kind of so boxy way like my co-writer joe hampson is the quintessential straight white guy and it's very much his story as well what's more universal than love right the one thing i will say may about the timing of it because i got to see it before everyone else and most people have got to see it in lockdown i saw it before lockdown and as i said it opened me up but i have to say it's not the best time to open your relationship up (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) Uh, due to the fact that as almost as soon as I did it the government made it illegal for me to hook up with anybody who's not my husband so it's a really bad time for dating in general but maybe yeah maybe get on chat on chat roulette get on on thrinder what's thrinder thrinder is tinder for couples where you can meet a third and chat to them. I thought you were going to say it's, it's Tinder for Judge Rinder, no? Tinder for, oh my God. It's just, Judge Rinder. Just to meet Judge Rinder. Had yeah. a specific Tinder. That would be great. I just saw him on House Party, actually. You actually? Um, <laughs> really? No way. Yeah, I, haven't, I didn't say hi yet, but I will. Yeah, no, he's the, he's the nicest guy. I will say, if you watch this show, it might make you a bit frisky. And uh, just be alert to that because you are in a global lockdown and we have no idea when the government might let you hook up with anybody ever again. Uh, so this is <laughs> it's a nice place in the meantime, but it's also about addiction. It's also about friendship. It's also about coping mechanisms. Parental um, relationships. Yes, friendship. Lisa Kudrow plays your mum. Yeah, big time she does. Yeah, I can't believe it. Do you know my favourite moment when we... I interviewed May at the National Theatre and I asked you about non-binariness and you said, yeah, I think if I was coming of age now, I would identify as non-binary, but, you know, I've sort of grown into myself as a woman and the audience were just like, oh, sure. And then I said, and Lisa Kudrow is playing your mum and they went ballistic. The audience went, oh, (laughs) you saying yeah, I would identify as non-binary now. Nothing. It was flatline. It was like, yeah, sure, whatever. So didn't give Lisa a shit. Kudrow's play, I they thought, did not. They I did thought not I was care. making it. I thought I was making a big statement. That was like a big moment for me. No one could no, no one cared. They less. did not care about that particular piece of identity coming out. No, but what people they cared about, about Lisa. Phoebe from Friends being your mum, the gasp went on for so it was a ripple gasp. <laughs> it was a mini orgasm. <laughs> That was so fun doing that because we showed a clip of the show. This is months before it, it came out. And um, it was the first date scene. And it was so nice because I think there are a lot of your fans in the audience, Deb, and just a really cool audience. And at the first kiss, people just went nuts and they were screaming. And it was like, that's uh, exactly what I want. It was so beautiful. And everyone has been in touch with me who was at the National Theatre. So many people from that audience have been like, it's coming out, it's coming out. And I've seen such an overwhelming response to it on the internet. So could you just sum it up? Could you just tell us what this show is? Yeah, I can try. Um, It's a semi-autobiographical comedy drama about a recovering addict comedian called May, who's living in London, and she starts a new relationship with someone who's never been with a girl before, and they have all kinds of problems, but it's a very romantic love story. Does that it, does sound, feel... it sounds heavy, but it's a comedy. Our guest today is an actor you will know from TV shows including Fresh Meat, Doctor Who, Call the Midwife, and her new show with Mae Martin, Feel Good. It's Charlotte Ritchie. Yay! Yay. Hello. Thank you for that intro. So it made me feel good. <laughs> well, Charlotte Ritchie, I think the most important thing on your CV is a sketch you did for Comic Relief yeah. with me, mm-hmm. which was actually a parody of the show Friends. Really? And this was the first time we ever spoke about this podcast. This how many years ago? A few. Yeah. Four. Four. And I came up on my Facebook. To you asked me once, and I was too scared when you first started it. I was too scared to come on, and now I'm courageous, and I'm here. I'm so glad. <laughs> you are. Thank you for having yes, me. Yes, indeed. Wait, who did you guys uh, play in the sketch? It was a really clever idea. Gunther. 
Was Charlotte Gunther? <laughs> Charlotte was not Gunther. <laughs> I wish. So it was Massive Dad who wrote it and invited us to do it, which was a huge honour. And it was for comic relief. And Charlotte played a sort of unsuspecting young woman who oh, yeah. was being taken back yes. to someone's flat for a date. And what she didn't know was that it was a sitcom flat. So it was like a friend's yeah. flat. It was either I was being brought back or I was being, I, I was like a prospective housemate that was being shown around to like show how oh. the house worked. And it was That's just right. in every room there was somebody doing something dumb with a, like a studio audience. But I was a real person really thinking it was a real flat. It was a great sketch. That's great. It was. So and it was that the other person was saying, uh, yeah, the rent's really cheap, so I just overlook these things. Yes. And there was a kind of guy coming out doing a kind of how you do it. Yeah, it was a and then you guy. could hear this audience laugh. And like light switches and... that didn't do anything. I remember that. Yes. Can we watch it again? Is it online still? Yes, we could insert it, actually. Yeah. We could, or we could direct people in the show Interlude. notes. Yeah. yeah, Pop it in. Just pop I it in. I played a Janice-like neighbour yes. um, who kept popping in at inappropriate times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I came up with my own catchphrase, which was, Sukasa Mikasa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great catchphrase. So good. I really uh, I loved it. remember meeting you, Deborah. Like, I remember sort of most... It's like so clear in my mind. We were sitting behind the set and we were talking. I remember talking to you and you talking about this podcast and me just being impressed. That you were doing something. I <laughs> it must have been quite new, I think, at that point. But also, yeah, was, this is really a real new. I'm a feminist butt confession, Charlotte. Yeah. But they had originally said, oh, we want you to play an old neighbour. Oh. And I'd said, oh, when I read it, I thought she was really young and glamorous and sort of, but, you know, really over the top like Janice. And they said, oh, well, you could play it that way. And I only brought that costume because I thought, I'm not. They said, bring dowdy, ill-fitting clothes. And I was like, I don't think so. I am not going to be in this sketch in dowdy clothes. So I no, brought... They, the wrong, they, they got the wrong woman for that. They well, I brought... Yeah. I know. And this is terrible. This is how you know I'm not a real actress, that I'm a comedian <laughs> rather than actress. Because actors love character. But I love to look glamorous. So I brought a Vivian Westwood dress with a bodice that yes, was off the shoulder yes. <laughs> that made me really kind of... You looked amazing. Sort of gave me an, an hourglass figure. And I had false eyelashes, full makeup. I really went over the top. Then they said, oh, this is fabulous. And they had no idea I'd done it for reasons of vanity. <laughs> they didn't need to know. You didn't need to tell anybody that. That could have been no, your own secret. But- I know, but I remember getting put in the middle of the group photo because I had the most ostentatious costume and I was an incidental character. (laughs) (laughs) That is the way to do it. My agent at the time said, well done, well done. That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) But look, apart from that, which was the highlight of your career and the biggest thing on your IMDb, (laughs) this show seems to be doing terribly well, feel good. And I just think it's perfect bunker watching how was it to make? It was so good. It's a real gem of a job to work on. I mean, we had lots of fun, like just as a general note, like it was amazing to get to hang out that much. That was really great because we had a lot before, but this was like an intense period of hanging out and that was just amazing. And the show for me personally, like just it's rare that you get to sort of have a character that's that like nuanced and interesting mm. and flawed and... um reflective and all that stuff and to be in a show that you find funny and touching like sorry to sound like the back of the dvd cover but (laughs) i really love it may how did you find it um absolute nightmare no i had the the best (laughs) the best the best time yeah i I mean i was friends yeah yeah Mm -hmm. we we met in 2012 is that correct that's correct i was in 11 uh i think i'm gonna say 2012 actually okay confidently okay i'm gonna say august (laughs) august 15th 2012 um yeah we were in edinburgh at the fringe and i was staying in this big flat with about 10 people in this tiny flat and then everyone was like really buzzed about charlotte ritchie coming up to visit so much buzz around it charlotte ritchie's coming Charlotte Ritchie's no this is 100 percent true is that because you were doing fresh meat at the time you know just because she was a friend of theirs and everyone was like she's the best you're gonna love charlotte ritchie she's so great and i was immediately and you, t- me and you were like nah. <laughs> wah, i took wah, an instant wah. dislike no i think i was like suspicious because i was like who yeah. is this charlotte ritchie Jealous. and then you slept on the sofa and there were mice around is that where i stayed and then i <laughs> i think that's where i stayed and i i farted in the night and yes. it woke my friend jamie up but i <laughs> i blamed it on joe yeah, wrote the show. 
the gentleman from Hampson is also yeah staying at that flat. And <laughs> I'm so glad I, you I put that story on, out into the world. I blamed it on him, and I told them about three years later. Yeah. Uh, anyway, enough to Aren't wake there someone any up. Pros and cons of working with a friend, especially on a romantic story. Well, the pros are, I think, that I have never acted before and I'm very scared. And so I think a huge part of any relationship is a friendship anyway. Like a huge part of a romantic relationship is a, a friendship. So there's a, it was great to have that shortcut of rapport and I find Charlotte funny. And also that I like care about her and feel protective of her. And I get upset if she's mad at me. So obviously having <laughs> never acted before, that makes it easier when someone's mad at you. You're like, oh yeah, no. Yeah, the scenes, yeah. It yeah, does, when it does give you a shortcut into all those feelings. It does hurt twice as much when you see that person being upset. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, it gives it a depth, I think, that takes a long time to create if you don't have that background, probably. But I agree with all those things. It does also make, like at the beginning, we're extremely awkward and giggly, like in a yeah. very sort of childish way. Our we rehearsals did a, were essential. We did a pilot for it a few years ago and... I think that we were really lucky that we were able to do that because that got a lot of the nerves out of the way. And when Charlotte first auditioned, we laughed so much that all the producers were like, oh, this can't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then she had to, <laughs> to like, again. Yeah. we did it again. Yeah. And we had a drink. But yeah, it was we, we had a really unusual amount of rehearsal time. So like two weeks to just go through it and find like, uh, I mean, I'm not very good at eye contact, let alone... Oh, yeah, that took a long time to get, actually. It took I a long contact. time. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you're a very experienced actor, Charlotte, so eye contact is your bread and butter. So <laughs> did you find yourself coaching <laughs> you. the stand-up comic that is Mae Martin into that space with you to trust you? Well, it's interesting because as much as like there's been lots that I've done, this is also quite an unusual thing in terms of creating such a kind of intimate and like long-lasting relationship on screen. Like I feel like it is so like particularly personal and to do with our relationship. I don't think I've had that before. So that was still kind of new territory for me. So there was quite mm -hmm. an equal amount of like blushing and not able to do eye contact for ages. Because you kind of have to get to a level of like comfort and stuff mm. that you have to work to. It's like we were talked a lot about the sort of how people who have been together just have this automatic intimacy that is kind of reflexive. Like it just is a reflex that happens as opposed to it being something that's kind of and so that was good that we got that prep time. But it still felt like a kind of real new thing for me too. Our director made us um, look each other in the eye and then just say the, the sex scene out loud, which is which was really oh, hard. Was, I forgot that. That. I really, that out of my head. Yeah, that was Absolutely really hard. Absolutely excruciating. That's, that sounds like yeah. the worst day ever. Yeah. I'm currently <laughs> in quarantine, imprisoned in my own home and uh, for an indefinite amount of time. And I'd still rather be here than reading a sex scene <laughs> yeah. out to a friend while looking into their eyes. I also don't think some... even partners can do that. I don't think people in relationships can do no. that. No. Each other. no it's awful. Worse. Worse. Yeah, yeah but our, our director was a friend of mine as well, so that was, that was good. I've known her since I was about 19, so... She was very unsqueamish and oh, yeah. kind of she was like very hardcore actually. Really hardcore, just like right, okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that was really helpful. Yeah, we cared so much about that story and those characters by the end of it that it was like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And yeah. the feminist core of it, to me, is that Charlotte, your character, George, she's... For the first time in an opposite-sex relationship, up until this point, she's identified as straight. Mm. 
And her being able to love and be intimate with May's character is joyful and exciting. But her being able to say to the world, I'm a queer woman, I'm bisexual, is very difficult because it's not how she identifies. And she's now stepping into this strange place. Mm. And her gender expression is femme, so she can hide this. There's not going to be these assumptions and projections made about her, which is my situation. So what did you learn from playing that? I learned so much. Like, firstly, I think that a lot of the kind of storyline to do with George is that it's not just her sexuality that is repressed. Like, her entire existence is kind of quite lonely, quite closed off. She's not hugely emotional and she's not very invested. It's a kind of flip-flop between her being both not emotionally sort of free and also not being sexually free. So Mm -hmm. in all ways, she's bound into this way of being that just isn't what suits her. And so I think with May, she finds this kind of like new way of expressing herself, new intimacy, new like things that she finds funny, like every element she kind of, they move in together and they, she sort of starts this new personality. And when her world collides with her old personality, which is how she is with her friends and her mom, and you kind of see where that comes from. Mm. It's so much more. I think that's a huge part of it is that she's repressing all sorts of sides of herself. But I mean, I learned loads in terms of like just the very invisible boxes that you're brought up to sort of tick and how unbelievably visible they become when you start challenging them. I'm just so, so aware now. It's happening just generally. And I think I feel so grateful to be in a time where I can be learning about so many things and so many different perspectives. But you just, once you see these boundaries, once you see these sort of unbelievably strict ways of living and you realize how much you're living within them, it's like blindingly obvious and you can't go back from having seen them and you feel like a fucking mm. idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. think so many of us are living at half mast. We're living within the confines of what we see and what we're trying to live up to. And we're dodging people's projections all the time. And if you are in a minority group, and it's obvious you're in a minority group, i.e. your minority cannot be hidden, then you have to every day try and push back other people's projections or you're just exhausted. You go, fine, think that about me, assume that about me, decide that I'm different. And what I loved about this was George's character <clears throat> coming to a point where she was happy to say, and, and what it took really to get her to say, this is who I am and this is a part of who I am and this is valid and this is who I love and this is who I want to be with. And mm. to say that those things out loud. Are there any questions you'd like to ask each other? Ooh. Now's the time. Uh, this, is, uh, this is now Guilty Feminist Roulette. Um, never done this before. This is the first time. Scale of one to ten, how cool do you think I am? Ten, <laughs> ten out of ten. Uh, oh, sorry, cool. Oh, sorry. You thought I said loser. Um, yeah, sorry. I think you said loser. What was the most difficult part of filming? <laughs> no wait what was the best part <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 what was your favorite scene that's really hard um no not because there's not any because there's so many um oh can you come back to me on that because i'm having a brain blank there's okay. loads coming up may but... can i ask you the same question any favorite scenes or harder scenes to film or favorite scenes or harder scenes to watch oh yeah i find it really hard to watch the breakup scene and i did not like like doing it but in a sort of satisfyingly grim way like it was mm -hmm. so unpleasant but at the end of it i felt grimly satisfied i'd say um and that's a great name for your next stand-up hour grimly, grimly satisfied, satisfied. <laughs> yeah good actually yeah i might change my name to grimly martin um, <laughs> can your middle name be satisfied grimly satisfied martin <laughs> grimly satisfied Gr grimly actually really suits me grimly really suits you there's something grimly very martin very Tolkien-esque about it. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite scene to film was the slow dancing scene in episode four. I felt very emotional. I felt it yeah, was a really was very emotional. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, it's nice to slow dance with anybody for a couple of hours. Also, you know, having been in relationships with people who've, who've struggled to be openly affectionate or whatever, it felt meaningful to get to write an experience where that's not the case and have that fantasy happen. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Yeah. And can I ask you, May, uh, is there anything that surprised you about the response to this show? 
Well, when we first, we did a press screening and then we did a day of, of press afterwards. And I was really surprised by how many people were saying there's so much sex in this show and there's, there's mm-hmm. tons of sex. And there really isn't compared to Fleabag or Girls or Sex Education. There's so little. But um, it was interesting that it jumped out so much at people, I think, because it's a different type of sex than mm-hmm. people have seen or maybe because there's strap-ons involved or something. But really, it's a show about a relationship. So it would be such a weird omission if there was no sex. It's very useful to see that because quite honestly, if you're a woman trying to have same sex sex for the first time and another woman says to you, what are you interested in trying? Your <laughs> experience can be Bilgen. very much going, I, I don't know what there is. Like, what's, mm. could I see a menu, please? Yeah. Um, and your show, um, <laughs> Grace Petrie is laughing into her hand. But there is, <laughs> is a really valid question if you don't watch porn, which I don't. I'm just not, a porn person I don't like it I don't it doesn't do anything for me if anything it sort of turns me off and I think this show was very gentle but it showed this there's a really amazing moment in it where your character May is using a strap-on with George and she says come inside of me it's a really incredible scene thanks Thank you. Yeah. Let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> no, I am. Um, yeah, that, that's. Um, I mean, it's interesting how much kind of like sex talk is quite gendered, I guess. But yeah, that, I mean, to be honest, if I was having sex with someone and they said, come inside me, I'd be so fine with it. But with where, <laughs> and, and, but with that, where that character is at, at that moment, mm. and the dysphoria that she's feeling, and the confusion, it's just the perfectly wrong thing to say in that moment and it pushes her over the edge into total panic there's issues of gender identity as well because the line that several of my friends have whatsapped to me about personally and privately that meant so much to them you will know the line better than i will but it's it's something along the lines of i'm not i'm not a girl and i'm not a boy either yes i'm not a boy i'm not even a girl i'm a failed version of both it's so funny because one of the ones who whatsapped it to deb i think oh really (laughs) (laughs) that's been amazing the number of people have written me as well about that line or made uh made memes of it and it's also a bit like that really you know is a difficult thing to say as well and to write and so now it's all over the internet all these pictures of that moment and it it's quite a personal kind of thing. So, but it's so nice how um, how people are relating to it. So, I think if you're somebody who has experienced dysphoria or wants to understand it in a less binary world, in a world where genderqueer people are finally making more visible space for themselves, genderqueer people and gender fluid people have always been with us, but now visibly some more space is being taken, and there is an enormous patriarchal pushback against that. And even some people who previously I would have felt were in my feminist community mm. are experiencing a great fear. And I think your show is such a beautiful and accessible way in to just open a door. Thanks. To talk about that. And but I hope. You, I mean, you say like, you would prefer there to be no labels. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think so. But I guess we're nowhere close to there yet. But um, I hope we're moving towards a place of more fluidity and things like that. I think also both those characters, both George and May, they have a lot of shame and internalized shame. So I'm interested in that and how as the world moves forward and there's pressure to be, if you're non-binary or trans or whatever, to be really vocal and really proud. And and that's hard sometimes, you know. So I think that mm-hmm. character's like, because that's not true, right? Non-binary people are not failed versions of boys and girls, but that's what that's what she feels in that moment. That's what's beautiful about drama and comedy is that you can go to those places. Charlotte, is there anything else you would like to tell us about your experience making the show or anything else that you feel about feminism, quarantine, now, feel good, love? (laughs) Yeah. I think that what is so lovely about this and what Joe and May have written is that whilst it means so much to so many people, it's through a very sort of personal take. And I think that it, humanizes everybody like I I feel like it's very easy to be very I mean we've said this already but when people are being very sort of binary and talking it's so hard even to talk about these topics without using very binary terms like without categorizing people and I feel like what I loved about watching it and reading it and and kind of talking about it with Joe and May was just the fact that each person has such a personal relationship to each of these 
aspects of their lives. And I feel like that's so often lost when there's like long, big group discussions about and kind of group think there's, there's everyone has nuanced feelings about their relationship with that. So, but it turns out maybe actually a lot of, oh, sorry, I'm sort of rambling, but I just think yeah, that's no, really no, special. Keep, but it's keep very talking. It's personal. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, I think it was really important to us that there's some ambiguity. I mean, even in terms of whether May and George are right for each other, you know, and that's often the case in life, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. very much so. I'm very excited about season two because I want to know what happens. Me um, too. Can you tell us now, May? Can you tell us now? <laughs> yeah, basically. Scoop. basically uh, Are you writing it with Joe on Zoom? Deborah shows up and she's like, see, Casa Emu. What is it? Oh, fuck, <laughs> I, I fucked oh, it up. Can I be I in almost... it? See, Casa Emu. See, Casa Emu. Fuck, I almost got it. It means your house is my house. Sue Casa Emu. That would have been so good. say my house is your house and I'm saying your house is my house. I would really See, like to just inexplicably come in, drop that line in my Vivian Westwood dress. You never yeah. see me again. No one knows why. Yeah. And the character description will be glamorous, uh, glamorous yes. young neighbor appears. Yes. Well, young might be pushing it, but let's, <laughs> let's, not, let's not dwell on it. I don't want to not get my own part because you've written the character description so uh, flatteringly that they they take one look at me in casting and go, mm, what? <laughs> and a uh, final question from me, is Lisa Kudrow nice? I'm a feminist, but is she lovely? So, so nice. Lovely. And yeah. do you have her WhatsApp and do you still like WhatsApp in a group? No, we email. We, we've been sending emails that, that when I get one in my inbox, I feel 13 years old. I get so excited. <laughs> but she was so <laughs> supportive <laughs> and, <laughs> and amazing. That's what I would hear when the email dropped. Yeah. <laughs> you need but to make that her special tone. If anyone is listening to this and they haven't seen the show The Comeback with Lisa Kudrow, oh, you've so got to watch it. It's on Amazon and you've got to watch it. Season two season was The Comeback. Two, Perfection. Season two was like 10 years after season one. Yeah. Because it was literally about what had happened in the decade in between, all most of the changes. There is one, and this was way before Me Too, there is one episode where she's on a set and she's having to simulate a blowjob. Yeah. The whole episode... It changed my life. It's it, amazing. It, it me tooed me before me too. It <laughs> opened the door and it made me go, yes, thank you. This is what's happening. And it was so clearly from her experience in show business. I'm not saying it was autobiographical, but her observation on the way women are used, objectified, discarded, traded, the way men own spaces like that, um, the way cis men take up space in those spaces and uh, their expectations of of women and how women are treated. It's incredible. I cannot recommend the comeback uh, more highly. I'm glad you've you've reminded me about that. But yeah. especially the second season, it's and especially that episode, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Isn't it? I just wanted to say thank you so much for bringing us this show. It shows how story can have more power than facts and we must beyond this point because we know there'll be a recession we must carve out space to find ways of telling stories we must demand that uh, those with money don't close down and go let's have this safe story and safe looks like this one homogenized thing so watch feel good while in the prison of your own home as Sarah Pascoe <laughs> says and then take those messages out there and join me in exploring your queer side. Yeah. That brings us to our very special musical guest today, Grace Petrie. <laughs> Grace Petrie. Uh, Grace Petrie Please is welcome a, is a your woman. queer side. Can I say, and we can edit this out if you want, when we were in Melbourne. What were you going to say? Okay. When we were on tour together, we can edit it out. I came up with a new nickname for Grace. <laughs> what was my nickname for you, Grace? <laughs> you can leave this in if you want. Um, it's proved uh, woefully untrue lately. Um, the galchemist is what That's Deb right. started calling me. <laughs> That's because <laughs> she can turn the base metals of straight woman uh, into the gold make. of queer woman whenever she wants. Yeah. Constant, mm. constant mm. straight women flood <laughs> to her after the feminist shows and just in general in the street well, would be having brunch. Up would come someone who previously <laughs> identified as straight and it th there's an awakening what we would call, we refer to as the lesbian quake that can sometimes happen when previously identifying straight women hang around Grace Petrie, and that's why I call her the galchemist. Well, that's great. Let me tell you, lockdown is a barren land, mate. 
Uh, <laughs> I thought people there were no, there's no, there is no queer quakes happening in in Leicester. I'll tell you that the the recent scale is pretty quiet. Grace, well, can hmm. we can we start a band called uh, the Alchemist and Grimly? <laughs> oh, please! Yes, we I can. Am buying that album. Uh, yeah, but I just want, I wanted to just briefly you can cut this out, but I wanted to just briefly say as well, um, in line with this, um, my long history of having been with. A, girls who were previously only in opposite sex relationships when feel good came on one of my friends whatsapp me and said pretty rude of may martin to write a tv show specifically about you grace petrie <laughs> <laughs> that's so like, nice this is why i'm identifying very hard it's because yeah first of all i'm sorry yeah yeah thanks it's uh, well you know it's uh, it's a as I said before, it's a wonderful piece of work. But Thank you. I also so much. just wanted to say as well, if I could say my favorite scene, I absolutely loved, and I think it is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen ever, is in the finale when George tries to like make this big moment at school and be like, I'm teaching LGBT issues, oh, God, and yeah. their teacher's like, you should have been doing that the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Fuck. So well written. Anyway, yeah, we thought it was so good. Yeah. So Ben oh, and I thank are in, you. We're, we're like in accidental lockdown together because we were on tour in Australia immediately after the Guilty Feminist tour and then we, Corona hit and our tour got cut short and so we flew home and now poor old Ben is just like stuck in my house. <laughs> oh my God. And he can't God. go anywhere. <laughs> oh my and we God. were like, we watched it all together yeah. and there were, I was just like sitting there feeling every single line and there were so it, many times where Ben just kept it felt like It felt like looking at Grace during it would was would be like attacking her. Or <laughs> every, every line that I was like, mm, that's, that seems familiar in some way, but I'm, should I check in with Grace? How is she doing? Uh, oh, gonna... wow. <laughs> that's so nice. Yeah, the response has been insane. Like people, people are doing so much art um, and drawing mm. these beautiful things and people, uh, a girl wrote a song that's amazing. I just sent it to you, Charlotte, but I, mm. it's really good. I watched it. It's so it's lovely. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, great. I remember her name, Rowan, I think. We it must feel so good, mate. In the show notes, if you send us the link. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It's amazing. I mean, it's a weird juxtaposition of feelings because civilization, as we know it, is ending. So mm. I, I'm. Uh, it's on. It's just having a hiatus. It's having a hiatus. So yeah, 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 yeah. But it's really keeping me afloat. The love for the show is uh, unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you um, know, Deb. We. I was doing a podcast with you in the years of writing the show and grown up land yes it's yes. still on bbc sounds and sophie duca is in your seat now yes so you but you remember like the anxiety and the years of talking about it and I worrying do. about it yeah so the fact that Every it's time done I saw you, you'd be like oh i've been working with joel day on this and then we rem i remember when lisa kudrow got cast and the excitement of that yeah so yeah seeing it come to fruition has just been incredible totally i can't believe it's out there now so in response to the quarantine, I'd like to plug that I am doing a show 6 p.m. British summertime every day, Monday to Friday, called The Guilty Feminist, The New Normal, in which I ask a regular Guilty Feminist guest co-host or friend of the show the same questions about how they're coping and their strategies. And it's been really emotional, I have to say, been very, very funny, sometimes hysterically funny, but also quite emotional. Uh, so if you could tune in live at six, you could comment. May Martin's going to be doing it next week. May Martin, you're doing Wednesday, yeah, next week? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Exciting. If you're not on Instagram, you can make a fake account. Just put one picture up just so you can watch it. It's at The Guilty Feminist. And I'll leave it up on the story for 24 hours. Then we put them to YouTube. Uh, so please go and check out The New Normal. Also, The New Normal are doing merch t-shirts based on funny things that comedians have said. You can find those on the merch store and all the money goes directly to the artists who've said it. Or if they're fabulously wealthy because they've just made a Netflix show like Mae Martin, she might donate her t-shirt money to another comedian uh, who is currently struggling because they live gig to gig. No, I'm oh. taking it. She's just kidding. The money. Right, she's taking the money. She's taking the money. It's always roulette with Mae Martin in one way or another. You never know. Also, I would like to say that I've referenced my coming outness. And I first talked about this on a podcast that is not yet out, but is coming out. It's by Catherine Bohart and Sarah Keyworth, and it's called You'll Do. They are a couple and they're interviewing couples. And they interviewed Tom Zielinski and me, and we talked about our relationship and we opened up a little bit. It's not all about that. Most of it's just about how great our relationship is, but we did talk about it. And I really wanted to talk about it there first because it gave Tom an equal voice. And so that podcast is called You'll Do. You can listen to the episodes that are up and our episode will be out in a week or two. 
Uh, so watch out for that and I'll direct you to it when it comes out. But in that, I unpack it a lot more and, and talk a lot a lot more about it. And Tom gets a voice about how he's feeling about everything and how it's deepened our relationship and made it more intimate and lovelier. I keep thinking that it's the apocalypse and so I should just confess my love to everyone. But I got to remember, we're going to come we're back. We're going to come out the other end. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's yeah. very tempting to just go mad. If you want to confess your love for me, mate, I'm right here for it. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. <laughs> I'll see you on chat roulette. Yeah. <laughs> if I come up, it's meant to be. <laughs> so Charlotte, do you have anything else you'd like us to plug? It could be a piece of online feminism that you'd like us to do. It could be something else that we'd perhaps a back catalogue of yours on Netflix or somewhere that you'd like us to watch. Um, I don't have anything. <laughs> I, got, I, I, I wish I, I did. I could plug um, stuff. I, I, can I plug stuff for you, Charlotte? Uh, depends on what it's going to be. I was just going to say I would plug maybe people feeling quite unproductive during this time and maybe say that I stand in solidarity with them. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of sleeping and wishing that I was more productive and more creative. Go on, May. What were you going to say? Sorry. Um, there's an audiobook of a Charlotte Bronte novel that, no, oh my God. that Charlotte is reading. And it's very, very relaxing and great. And then also. To be fair, it's really. It's Charlotte Bronte. It's so good. Beautiful. Like, yeah, it's really sad. It's the best description of a woman suffering from depression, but she doesn't call it that. But what's it's it, like... What's it called again? It's called Villette. Villette. Mm. Oh, yeah. boy. She was good. And also... <laughs> Widely um, thought to be. Yeah. I think so too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> also, what's the song that I love? Oh, yeah. Everyone should go on YouTube and watch the song you... Hammerite. May Martin, do you have anything you'd like to plug or any feminist online action you'd like us to take, given we're all trapped inside our houses? Oh, God. No, no. I'm just so thrilled people are watching the show and I'm just trying to survive with everyone. Okay. I would like people to just check in on Choose Love because um, refugee camps are a really tough place to have coronavirus and they're a really tough place to keep clean and keep socially distanced. We are complaining about how we're washing our hands and how far we have to stand away from people, but it is, of course, a privilege to be able to wash our hands and stay away from people. So if everyone could go and support Choose Love, if you don't have anything to give because you're really strapped for cash because you've lost your job or whatever, I really understand that. But if you could amplify them, a lot of people still have their job and now they're not going to the pub and their gym membership's being suspended and suddenly they have a lot of extra money that under these circumstances they wouldn't mind giving. Also, could you check out local refuges where you are because a lot of people are in domestically violent relationships and have to run because they're in the middle of a quarantine or they must might need to talk to somebody on uh, a refuge line or get some kind of help so the more we can donate to refuges and food banks at this time the better that was uh, a much better answer than what yeah I said. really good all i no. said was watch my show and <laughs> no that's no it's fine it's it's fine i'm 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 used to being plugged into these things and people very kindly send me ideas for these things and i've been thinking a lot about people who for whom this quarantine is a lot worse than it is for us so that's there's, our um, online feminist action it's one one thing i mean i'm sure people all know about this but my housemate alerted me to when it all started is um the mutual aid groups on facebook you can all join your local mutual aid and then you get a whatsapp group for your road and then anybody and they everyone's been flyering and anyone who's on their own and can't go to the shops you can go to the shops for them that's a good thing to look up covid19 yeah, mutual aid yeah, I have been when, messaging uh, daily a few friends of mine who are quarantined completely alone just to check in with them, even if it's just like a two minute FaceTime. Yeah. And what I've realized from that is you're throwing out a rope to somebody who may otherwise be entirely isolated. But what I've discovered is I've got the other end of that rope. So if I need to pull on it, I'm checking in with that person once a day. If I'm falling apart or I'm feeling really low, guess what? I have my little check in call with this person to look forward to. Grace Petrie, do you have anything to plug? I do, actually. Amongst uh, everybody else that this time is very difficult for, the Big Issue is really struggling at the moment because Big Issue mm. vendors, obviously, for their own and everybody else's safety, are also on lockdown and they can't obviously sell the magazine while that is going on. But what you can do, if you're somebody who normally buys the Big Issue when you're out and about, and obviously with the caveats, is if you have the money at the moment, I know a lot of us don't, but if you do... You can subscribe to the big issue at the moment. Uh, if you subscribe for three months, it's £32. 
or so you can just make him a one-off donation. So Ben and I are doing these cover songs every night. We're posting a different cover every night, and there's actually a uh, there's like a just giving link underneath those. So if you're following me on social media, then you can just you can just whack some money to the big issue as well. That'd be great. And it is really fun to watch Grace and Ben's online A to Z of covers. <laughs> they do a different letter of the alphabet every night, which is yeah. Wonderful. I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds great. <laughs> it's very sounds fun. so good. And can the I other make... night they really lost it and uh, isolation had clearly got to them and they just fell on the floor laughing and laughing. <laughs> and laughing. <laughs> Normally more professional than that. That happened once. They're not. Once. They're not. That's that's like we had. Um, just on if the... you could, can I just reiterate? If you think, oh, but I don't have money to give to any of these people, giving them a follow tells them you see them. Retweeting them, someone with a huge now disposable income with nothing to do with it, they might donate. But also plug into your friends who have a disposable income and still have their job and say, hey, would you consider a big issue subscription right now? because they're literally sitting at home with nothing to do. So if you messaged them and said, look, I'm trying to get five friends to do this. I can't afford it. You know that I'm a casual worker and I now no longer have any hours, but my job is now to try and make sure five people support the big issue or choose love or this local refuge. That's going to make a huge difference. You may feel you can't do that for whatever reason, but in which case, give it a retweet, a quote tweet. If You might say, well, I'm not on Instagram. Well, get on Instagram. You've got nothing else to do. Um, just do it. We can be feminist from home. Highly Guilty Feminists, I just wanted to let you know that Catherine Bohart and Sarah Keyworth's podcast, You'll Do, in which they, in a relationship, interview couples in a relationship, is out now on BBC Sounds and is very good. The episode in which Tom Selinsky and I talk about our relationship and I unpack our open relationship more in an environment where Tom and I can talk about it together is coming out on the 21st of April. So subscribe to that podcast now if you don't want to miss it. Otherwise, if you want to hear more about it, put it in your diary and have a listen to that episode especially. Thank you so much and back to the podcast. And now to our wonderful musical guests, Grace Petrie and Ben Moss. Do you have a relevant song, Grace, for this episode? <laughs> Do I have a single solitary song about falling in love with a straight girl? Um, Let me check the back catalogue and see if I can rustle anything up. <laughs> That is relevant Has that ever to happened these to you, Grace? Has that ever happened to me? Who knows? Has that ever not happened to you, Grace? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a song that I wrote uh, quite a few years ago when I was dating somebody, and uh, it is about my attempt to be everything that she wanted me to be. Um, and, uh, and it's called Cold Waterproof Jacket. And it goes this. <laughs>
just can't hack it Elastic it, spare fibre I bring you up like a deep sea diver And you're breaking, you can't take it Get me out like a half first aid kit Get me out, I'm your half first aid kit You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host May Martin, and our very special guest, Charlotte Ritchie, with our musical guests, Grace Petrie and Ben Moss. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rachel Craftman, Gina DCO, and everyone who made this episode happen, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Turn your camera around. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if we if Grace Petrie turned her camera around and then when she turned it back, she was just wanking. Yeah. <laughs> the night it's is young, doing... Deb, to be honest. My just... standards have never been lower. <laughs> hey. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.